0: It is Thursday the 11th of February 2021 and the time is 6.06 p.m. I'm joined today by one of my best friends, Shami Shaw. Hi Shammy! Hello.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? Doing good, yourself?
0: Yeah, doing great. Um, thank you for agreeing to stay up past your bedtime because uh, <laughs> it's actually what because I sleep at ridiculous there. times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's past nine PM where you are. Uh, where are you? Tell everyone where you are right now.
1: Um, I'm currently in Mombasa, in Kenya, the coastal town of Kenya. Nice, which is um, East Africa for those that don't know. <laughs> yes, yeah, it is East
0: Africa. Um, so me and Shami, we've known each other for uh, a long, long time now. We actually went to school together uh where we didn't know each other that well but then we went to the same university as well um we lived together in second year was it yeah same house yeah um and then shami took a gap year and did some madness she <laughs> basically traveled the world uh which we'll get on to in a Hardly. bit um, <laughs> and now she's in kenya so but your journey actually started in kenya because you were born there right correct yeah and what was it what was it like growing up in kenya
1: um so I was born in Kenya in Mombasa where I am right now and honestly I, I remember bits of it but it's not a super clear memory I moved to the UK which I'm sure we'll touch on but when I was six so I was in Kenya for six years um well, how was it it was it was, it was all I knew when I was growing up because I obviously had no other experience and I hadn't been to the UK or I hadn't really been out of the country until I moved to the UK later on in life. The way we kind of live is it's three houses and it's three brothers. So my, my dad and both his brothers and it's open doors. It's a super communal space. We're in and out each other's house all the time. And it's just that kind of element of freedom, which I love and that family bond as well so I always grew up in a very tight-knit family um when I was in Kenya and I think I think that's what I remember the most about my childhood of being in Kenya <laughs> yeah <laughs> but again as I say my memory is so hazy um I have like little pinpoints of memories but I can't I can't remember a whole lot
0: did you ever think when you left for the UK that you would be then back in what take twenty years or so that you'd be back in the same setup with the three houses and all your family around you?
1: Never, never. I used to I used to come quite a, so. My parents moved back when I started uni, back to Kenya. So I used to come back often, even before um, they moved back. We used to be back every year, and I always loved it as a as a holiday destination. But I always used to tell myself like no I can't see myself moving back it's kind of going back in time and I'm so used to that developed world lifestyle and those kind of perspectives that I can just never see myself moving back so yeah I think it just happened (laughs) it's kind of the complete opposite now isn't it (laughs) complete opposite it's like that re-migration story the re- exactly maybe that's a good way
0: <laughs> that's a good thing to put in uh your uh the bio for your podcast the our first re-migration story <laughs> re-migration. yeah so okay so um, you yeah. left Kenya when you were six and you came to the UK um do, do you remember that at all like you know getting on the plane and then landing in London and be like oh it's really cold <laughs> I assume
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, d- I don't remember the plane journey I remember um us leaving our house because we did that we did like a religious ceremony where they wished us well and um they did the um the channel and stuff Mm. and i remember that and i remember it being like a very strange kind of time i was pretty young i didn't i don't think it really sunk in what was happening um but then I do remember starting my first few days at school and thinking this is really strange, like oh, yeah. the accents, the it just wasn't what I was used to. Yeah, I
0: wanted to um, ask, did you have like a, you know an African Indian like accent when you came? Well, I'm you primary school so. here <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nothing,
1: I'm, yeah, I'm guessing so it's It's nothing that I've asked my parents, but I'm sure I did. Because when I moved back to, so when I moved to the UK, I remember some people, like, kind of taking the piss about how I say some words, because oh. it wasn't, no, it's, like, it's fine now, I look back yeah. at it, but I think at the moment, I was a bit like, oh. And yeah. then I tried so hard to fit in, because, the, like, in terms of my speech, in terms of my perspective on life, like, it was very different to what the UK... Um, was down for and then I also went to a private school in the UK which was like another whole different league Mm,
0: different world world.
1: exactly so um yeah I remember the first few days I also joined um year one halfway through so it was halfway through the school year so everyone kind of had their little friend groups or whatever and I was just like that newbie who came in from Uh Africa (laughs) but um
0: <laughs> it's like a I Mean think, Girls.
1: but I think I was I was fortunate because I was pretty young. Um, I adapted fairly quickly, and I made a great group of friends, etc. My brother was how old was he? He was about 10 11 I think his story would be slightly different because he had more of an idea of what was happening and. Um, he probably felt that culture shock a bit more yeah but but personally I I do remember parts of it and thinking like well this is this is a a change but it's a change that I adapted to pretty pretty easily I feel
0: well one thing I like to ask all the guests is about their sense of identity or culture and how that's changed so if we're talking about let's say high school we both went to the same yep. high school in London. Yep. Um. How would you have described? How would the old sham you have described herself back then? Did you identify yourself as you know Indian or were you still very much no? I'm Kenyan. That's like within me. Or did you feel like a London girl a Croydon girl? <laughs> how did you feel?
1: Yeah, it's something that I've, I've been quite confused about. Um, I've always been very proud of being Kenyan. So. Like, I have a real love for Kenya and Kenyan people. So um, I think that's always been at the forefront. And whenever I meet new people, um, it always does kind of come out that I was born in Kenya. So, but in terms of actually identifying myself, I've always struggled with that because i it's a really hard kind of way to say it, but like I, I just feel at home very easily wherever I am. Um, so part of me starts to question, like, do I need to identify with a certain place if I'm, if I'm comfortable being everywhere and anywhere as such? Um, but yeah, I didn't, I get it a lot. So even in Kenya, um, they hear my accent, which is a British accent and they already start to get confused and then they see my skin color and they're like, okay, where are you originally from? Mm -hmm, and then that's when that's when things start to get a bit confusing because I say my ancestors are from North India Gujarat but I was I wasn't born there my parents weren't born there so it's it's quite distant in a way like the Indian culture we definitely it's definitely prominent in our family but the Indian roots as such isn't so prominent because I've only been on holiday for maybe a two week, two week duration. So I, yeah. I wouldn't say that I, that I, um, I connect to that kind of really deep root as such. Yeah. Well, one but thing I still, that I, yeah.
0: sorry, um, no, well, no, I was no, just no. going to say one thing that I talked about with my mum when I did the podcast with her, so she was uh-huh. the first interview um, that I did for this podcast. And we yep. talked, we touched on the topic of, the British Indian identity so you don't long have to say that yes I'm Indian or yes I'm British there is something called a British Asian and within that all, all the things that you're surrounded by and exposed to but also I also feel in the UK there's definitely um, the, the the East African Indian British <laughs> identity like it's a bit of a mouthful but um, I'm sure for you like things like food and language and the way like you communicate even like the way I see you communicate with your mom it's just so, it's so special and it's it's very um very very particular to that background of coming from Africa really um and you speak great Gujarati but for, for anyone who <laughs> I won't ask you to speak it but she, Shami speaks really good Gujarati um, how's your Swahili? <laughs> Questionable <laughs> you speak English but great so um <laughs> do you feel like that sort of hybrid identity has like developed as you got older yeah or heightened in, in some areas
1: yeah 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 for sure um uh, I don't, identity has been one that I've it's just been a topic that I've struggled with and I yeah I, I, I get to points where I really try to kind of sit down and be like okay how do I identify myself or um Like, what is that entity? I definitely, like, since moving back to Kenya, like, the I've just settled in so well, and now I just like it's suddenly I just can't see myself anywhere else. So, Uh I think, um, I think that Kenyan identity is very strong within me, and Kenya will always be the ultimate home. But, um, I think if I was to move back to the UK or even stay there for a few months again like I would I would be able to identify with the British culture quite easily as well so yeah do you think we just put labels
0: on then like
1: sometimes I do it's like sometimes I do feel like is there is there a real need to identify with a certain place or a certain um certain region because you're basically just starting to categorize yourself. You can. Why can you not just be a world citizen? Why can't you just mm. um, be able to to feel at home anywhere and yeah. and be able to get along with all cultures? Why? Why what is, is yeah? Why are we we're starting to say great things? I don't know. Uh, there you go. Well, I guess your, <laughs>
0: identity, your identity is you. You are Shami, and within that comes the ability to travel around the world by yourself i mean i've seen like seen you like go to all these crazy places and do amazing amazing things and i'm always in awe and always saying god i don't even know if i could do that i don't know if i could go to another country travel by myself and just sort of you know dive into this whole um different culture but you do it like with ease and it's really great to see um but let's go back so okay you went to school and then you uh we both went to the same uni and that was really really fun yep um, so good <laughs> it was so much fun and I, I miss uni a lot um and then I well where did your whole bug for traveling start was it the gap year that you took or was that but was it before
1: I think it so I've always kind of been a like very inquisitive about travel and we kind the most travel I did before my year abroad was basically family holidays, which is very much an all-inclusive um, hotel in by the beach kind of thing, which is very, very um, just not cultural, not yeah. really putting yourself in a in like out of your comfort zone at all. It was very very comfortable. Um, so the year abroad was it just. Like it really pushed me out of my comfort zone and I really made myself get out of that comfort zone as well. And then discovering things by doing that, I think is what created that real travel bug because I, I just discovered and explored so much of personally of myself, but of the world in terms of cultures, in terms of people, in terms of perspectives. And I just, I don't know, there's something infectious about learning from a different angle yeah and I think that's what I really really enjoy about exploring different places
0: can you tell Um, us where where you went to uh, in your gap year
1: yeah I did a semester in Hong Kong at HKUST Hong Kong University of Science and Technology and then I did my second semester in Monash Melbourne Um, but then I was quite lucky because Monash I basically had about two weeks sorry two months in between both both semesters so I managed to do a fair bit of traveling between that as well.
0: And where was your like favorite place to go when you were traveling in that gap year? Is that too hard of a question?
1: (laughs) I get asked (laughs) it so much. Um, Really? (laughs) It's a really hard one. Like Hong Kong in general pushed me quite out of my comfort zone. It was, I was in the suburbs of Hong Kong where a lot of people don't speak English. Um, I'm a vegetarian. Vegetarian food is very hard to find. Mum packed me some teplas and that was literally (sighs) like the... Biggest godsend, (laughs) yeah. Special treat
0: for those of you Um, don't. For the the people who don't know what their fly is, how would you describe it? I guess like a chapati,
1: like a savory pancake. Yeah, yeah, like like
0: spicy, and it just tastes so good. Too good,
1: too good. (laughs) So, um, yeah, and then Melbourne was super easy. Everyone spoke English. Like veganism, Mm. even was a huge thing there. So, like veggie was a walk in the park. Um. But it was so, so beautiful to travel, so easy to travel. So I really liked that aspect. And then later on that year, um, I went with my, with my cousin on a road trip to from Kenya down to the Vic Falls. And I think that was one of my highlights of the year as well. We traveled down um, by car and we camped in various national parks and it was my first time really seeing Africa. And I think yeah. that's, that's one thing that really just, like, hit me, like, this place is just untouched yeah. and insanely, insanely, not even just gorgeous, but in terms of the culture, the richness of it, it was just really special. Well, so, from
0: what, I've, what yeah. conversations I've had with um, other Asians who live in, in East Africa, especially, uh-huh. is uh-huh. that the Asian community there is very much in their own little bubble in terms Mm -hmm. of like who they socialize with, where they go to school. Um, You know, everyone has like security guards, like dogs or like, you know, it's all in a gated community. It Um, is, yeah, Yeah. Did you feel, so was that road trip the first sort of sense of like what actually Africa, Africa was like?
1: Yeah, in a way, it was still very much, we were were in our own car. So we had that kind of Mm, protection, but it was more, yeah, like a separation um but that's something I'm really trying to get over within since I've moved back to Kenya I'm really trying to um relate more to the locals really uh, what's the word like um integrate integrate, exactly it really integrate more and a lot of people like in the Asian community come up to me um just whenever I see them outside and they're like what you're doing is insane like how do you even like get to this stage how are you going to live in villages blah 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 really and it, it comes as quite a shock to them because it's just it's not the norm mm. and I'm really kind of just trying to break that barrier no we we live in this country together we should we should unionize and we should yeah like we should live in harmony which I'm not saying that there is no like we don't live in harmony it's just that there is that segregation which I think is really important to break down because um, no one should feel like less or more worth than the other.
0: How, how do you, non-Asians living in Africa like receive you if, you, if you get me? Like when you try to make those relations, is it hard to do that, to get through to them or like to you know, make friends or is it, do you find it quite easy?
1: Are they willing to... Yeah, It depends at times. Um, is a lot of unfortunately it's kind of there's that stereotypicalism of you hear a a white accent so like they say mzungu accent which is like a white person's accent and they kind of start to think of you as a as a helper like someone who's coming to give aid or something and so they automatically have a different lens um and I've noticed that a lot more in city centers and towns. Once you start going rural and you start going into more rural villages and such, they're a lot more genuine, I'd say. Genuine in terms of a lot more transparent, a lot more acceptance. Um, and those are the real relationships that I, I thrive off because they're so authentic. Yeah. I, I don't know, it's really, it's really hard to explain. But um, I do feel like as you go more rural, there isn't that stereotypicalism which kind of degrades things. Yeah. And that's when you can really, you can take out colour, you can take out um, your differences, and you can just bond over the people you are.
0: Yeah. I've just realised yeah. that we've jumped in the story of Shami quite a bit. So we'll come back to this, because this is really interesting. <laughs> Um, but just to go back again. So you take your gap year you traveled uh Hong Kong and Australia. Um, yes. and then you came back and you you finished uni and that was really fun for me because I had graduated by that point. So it was fun coming going back to uni to like stay with yeah. you and do the nights out and all of that. That was really that was really nice. Um and then what you came back to London and you know ha, you know, ha, had a had a corporate life, you lived in the city, you lived in like a couple mm-hmm. of amazing apartments which I'd come and visit <laughs> and it was really fun. Um, But one night, I want to share with everyone, um, and you'll remember it quite well, (laughs) Shai, it was in your your flat in East London, and it was me and a few of our friends, and you'd invited us around for a brainstorming session. Do you remember this? Yes. Yeah, (laughs) Um, which I think was probably one of my best nights of just sort of like chilling with friends, you know, without, you know, having going out to party or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was just, mm-hmm. it was such an eye-opening, fun, like enjoyable night. And um, what we did is basically you organize a brainstorming session for us. So it was like, you, so you had all these different activities lined up for us um, and you basically wanted to see how we thought about two things, travel travel um, and purpose. Um, yep yep which is quite fun because you now are the ceo of a business (laughs) called travel for purpose (laughs) (laughs) um i can't remember the exact exercises we did but we did all these fun exercises and you you basically wanted to pick our brain about yeah how we thought about travel um the way we perceive travel why we travel um community identity etc etc yeah um and I, one of the exercises, I actually do remember this, you asked me, well, you asked all of us. I was the only girl. And then there were like mm-hmm. four, three other boys. And you asked mm-hmm. us all, what, "What, what's one of your like main concerns about travel? And so we all said, you know, uh, whatever we said. And I remember saying that safety was a big issue for me as a girl. Like if I yes. wanted to go abroad by myself, I would be really, really concerned. Like I love going to India. It's probably my favorite place to visit, but I would never go by myself. I'd be, mm-hmm. I'd be far too petrified um and i know i know if, uh, you've because we've had conversations about this i know people have asked told you oh, you, like you're going to all these like places by yourself like how is it safe like all of this um what are your views on that on the safety aspect especially for a woman to be like traveling around do you have any tips
1: i, I never feel unsafe it's weird and, like, I, I, always, I always, when I travel, if I, if I um, like, I never feel unsafe, but I, f- I feel like I'm always conscious as well. Like, I always have that conscious in me to be, like, to keep an eye out around me, to
0: mm.
1: um, be sensible, stay, vigilant. as you say, stay vigilant. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I think that if you do that in any place, you, you're mostly okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I love that sense of thrill as well. I love mm-hmm. that sense of getting out of my comfort zone now. And I, I kind of live for that to an extent that I, I just have faith as well. I, I always have faith that if I'm, if I'm out here with the right intentions, things will go right yeah. as such. So, yeah, I think that's that's the main thing that when I travel – or when I even when I'm at home and I'm I'm out by myself or, or doing things on my own, I just stay vigilant, stay sensible, but also don't stop yourself from doing things because yes,
0: yeah, that's true. Because otherwise, you're losing out on the
1: yeah, exactly on a lot. Live life,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, live life, but carefully. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, so that night in East London in your flat. So we were all talking about travel and yes. um, why we want to travel. Um, but specifically, when we travel, say we go on holiday, when we get to that destination, what, mm-hmm. what what are we doing when we're there? And why are we doing it? And what are we trying to get out of it?
1: And we talked yep, a lot yep. about the
0: community that you're traveling to and whether you have any sort of sense of whether you want to give back to that community that you're traveling to. Mm-hmm. Um and I guess if you, you know if you're going on that, you know, that that, you know, those package beach holidays with your family and you, you know, you just want to go to have a good time, that's great, that's fine. Um, but then I remember you saying about but even the people that serve you the food, that they're they're there, that's their everyday job, you know, that's their bread and butter. Um yeah. the cleaners or, you know, the beach staff, for example. Um like what are you doing to like help them and and is that something that you're conscious of and that's really made me think personally about my travel obviously right now with covid and no one's traveling anywhere (laughs) um but I thought it was really cool and you never really told us why you're asking us all these questions and making us do these activities you kind of just said okay guys we're gonna have a really fun night like just follow my lead and it was really fun we didn't ask any questions we just you know went with it but that was actually the beginnings of um something really, really great which you started and I'll let I'll, I'll let you explain it to everyone. So what is travel for purpose?
1: Yeah. Firstly that was an awesome night. And I kind of got these guys, um, I, I've I'd been brewing this idea in my mind on paper for a while. Um, I'd say for a few weeks before before consulting them. And then I got them in a room and we did a few activities as Shell said. And then it was awesome because we you guys came to the exact kind of bullseye of what travel for purpose is, and and you guys got it like straight yeah. on. So um, and we didn't know we was, didn't
0: know that travel for purpose yeah. was
1: a thing. So yeah, cool. exactly. And then that's when I came out with the whole thing. So basically, travel for purpose is a platform that allows you to travel with a purpose. Essentially, so I believe that travel should be done more mindfully and with with more of a of a purpose (laughs) that's a really shit yeah like a reason to
0: go there and
1: yeah (laughs) yeah so it should be done more mindfully and with more for a reason to go there so what we do is we talk to the traveler and we pinpoint certain attributes of what they would want from the trip so that could be for example wellness um animal well adventure and relaxation for example Mm. and then already they know what they want out of the trip but that way we can also ensure that we provide that through the itineraries that we provide but the real reason for this is to make sure that each they're mindfully traveling which means that through travel for purpose we make sure that all our experiences have a positive impact both environmentally and socially so through that you're making a positive impact while you're traveling while you are mutually having a great experience hopefully um another thing that we really try to touch on is that mutual benefit so as you say when you've been served at a restaurant or a beach bar beach cafe whatever it might be that person that's their day-to-day job and they're coming across so many tourists that just don't really regard them as a as a person as such they just regard them as a waitress and i'll order my food and they don't take that time out to speak to them to learn from them and that's really one of child for purpose's core values taking the time to learn from others but also mutually giving back to them with Whether it's information, whether it's an insight, whatever it is, being able to have that mutual learning experience, which is so crucial and so beneficial when you're traveling.
0: Yeah. So let's
1: touch touch a bit more on that,
0: (laughs) because I know that you've been doing... If anyone follows Travel for Purpose on Instagram, you will see. Okay, so there's the rest of us all locked in our houses in the UK, doing
1: absolutely <laughs> no, nothing. No, don't. And <laughs> literally
0: buying on Amazon useless things that we don't need. And then you scroll through Instagram before you sleep and you see Travel for Purpose in these amazing places. I know you've been doing loads of road trips and... um
1: I've, you know, I've honestly, knows. it's just been such a fortunate. I
0: Yeah, it's, it's great.
1: I've, yeah, it's... Now, it's awesome tell Amazon- me.
0: Mm-hmm. Is that market research Is that research what you're doing? What is it you're exactly doing?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. All of 2020 was research. I was, I was, reach, I was going to places, um, building relationships, understanding the place, understanding the culture, understanding what trips we can offer through travel for purpose, um, in that specific area.
0: Right.
1: And and parts parts of my trips still are research. Some are more client trips now, but um
0: it's a variance so say if I came to you and I say, Sham you know what say the pandemic's over and we're all good to travel right know what? <laughs> in, in, a fairy tale, in a fairy tale world and I said Sham you know what I really I'm really into I really want to come to Africa I really am into say hiking and I really like animals mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, I've like you know I've only got one week worth of annual leave what would you do for me if I had asked you to provide me with your services? What the kind of things would <laughs> so, be?
1: Yeah, so right now we're focusing on um, the Kenyan coast and Savo, which is the national park that's closest to us from the coast. So, um, a lover of hiking, I would probably start start with and animals, start with a trip to Savo. Savo is the largest national park in Kenya um, and it's abundant with beautiful hiking trails as well as wildlife so spend a few days there we we work with a few villages um with women that make like baskets from sisal and stuff so you can go visit them learn how to make baskets uh-huh. um go with some rangers on uh, some hikes you need to take rangers obviously because you're out in the wild so you're not sure what you'll come across <laughs> um, Going so, back to that yeah. whole safety element. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I'll hook you up with a ranger. Um, and then, yeah, experience a safari. Um, I'm a huge fan of camping, but I would obviously put that out to you in terms of what accommodation preference you'd like. But we, we also only partner with accommodation, um, accommodations that are eco-friendly and giving back to society in some way so we have a range of different um i wouldn't say levels more more options in terms of luxury to basic and yeah and then come to the coast because the coast is beautiful and yeah (laughs) (laughs) that is definitely the next place on my bucket
0: list is kenya i've done i've done zimbabwe i've done the vic falls which is beautiful um, yeah, but I really, really want to do Kenya. So I honestly can't yeah. wait to have you. Here. As soon as I'm allowed to like leave England, I will be. So that's really fun. karibu welcome and yeah, welcome. Um, and again, we've jumped again. <laughs> so we were in. <laughs> Ooh, we were in your flat in East London, and then, uh, you, you know, you revealed to us that this is your plan, essentially. And that you've got this desire to go back to Kenya and do this field research and start this whole thing up. Now, at the time, did you have any idea about a little something called the COVID 19 <laughs> pandemic?
1: Absolutely not. It, yeah. I, I think I think we had this. Did we have the session around December? So like COVID wasn't even like in the news at all it wasn't like even within China yeah it just wasn't known of yeah so
0: actually no I think there were some of those cases but it wasn't in the western media
1: it was like the western media
0: was exactly it was downplayed yeah
1: yeah for sure so I basically I had this idea when I was when I came to Kenya in December Jan and when I travel I try to travel as authentically as possible so i try to live with a local family and then get involved with local activities whether it's like helping out on a farm or um going going whatever whatever the activities are so um I was gonna say go fishing but I don't believe in fishing so I wouldn't do that yeah yeah. (laughs) I (laughs) so so yeah I tried to seek that in Kenya and Kenya's home um but I hadn't really got being involved with the real local activities of for example going to fetch firewood or going to um, build a house from scratch that you're going to live in so I tried to seek that kind of experience and it was it was quite hard like nothing would really nothing was really popping up um, when I tried to do that and that's when I thought that there was a gap in the market and how how we can showcase and really let people experience Kenya authentically with everything I mentioned beforehand of that mutual learning while benefiting positively etc so yeah I I started then I came back to the UK I started brainstorming we had the session and and then I started working on it um and it was always a side thing like it was always something that was there and I'd love to see it come to come come to life but I wasn't quite sure when or how exactly um then COVID happened we all started working from home as you know and we went into lockdown (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) and we went into lockdown and my mother came from Kenya um to be with me for a bit and then she ended up getting stuck there for about three months (laughs) <laughs> and then it got to a point where I was like, my my father was alone here, and I, and we needed to to get back. So I ended up coming back with her, and then I basically got stuck here as well. So it all kind of just happened. Like I, I had some I had my weekends free, so I would start doing research and start as you as you say going on a, a few trips and um, building up the that base as such, and yeah it's just it's just happened very organically and I look back now and it kind of still jazzes me like how every like how my life has drastically changed over the last year Um, and I'm sure loads of lives around the world have because of this one pandemic but yeah it's just it's happened and I'm super grateful. Yeah well
0: so, something I don't want you to downplay and I want everyone to know is how much hard work you have put into this <laughs> and um, for anyone who says you know I don't have enough time in the day to do x y or z or fulfill my dreams fulfil my passions I mean I've seen you literally work non-stop around the clock always you know meeting deadlines and planning ahead and um, something great about you is that well, your ability to just like communicate with people and build connections and um, I know that's how you had a, a sort of a mini team with your like you know web, your website which looks amazing. Um, the oh. guys have helped you out with that shout out to them. They know who they are. They're like incredible. <laughs> um, and yeah, you're definitely a, you're you're a people's person, which I think is one of the main reasons for the success the success of your um company. It's a shame it started now and we can't you know all go abroad and whatever. But I'm sure there are people eager. I mean, eager to leave the country as soon as we're allowed to. So. Um, yeah, hopefully anyone listening, please give travel for purpose a little, a little shout out. Get in touch.
1: Um, and I appreciate that, shells Thank you.
0: No, of course, of course, has to be said.
1: But something, something I would say is if you're if you're passionate about something, there'll always be an energy just driving you. So like I would, I'd come back from my nine to five, which was obviously usually more than nine to five, mm, yeah. um, and I would just. I would, I would be so pumped to just work and do something, to take travel for purpose to the next to the next stage because I was so passionate about it. So really being able to find that passion project, and you would just, you would just see and feel yourself flow with it because you're, you're so eager to see it grow. Um, and I think, I think that's the key, just finding yeah. that one thing that that just makes you go and, and then anyone can do it
0: yeah that one thing that drives you that you know that fire exactly. inside like people talk about yeah. is a real thing so and you've like manifested something great from it um and I'm really excited to see the future for travel for purpose I think it's it's great um <laughs> but asking about the future where do you see travel for purpose in the next say let's say five years time
1: oh tough one if we forget oh. about covid <laughs> I hope, I really hope it's a brand that people recognize. It's a brand that um, people recognize as doing good, but also a brand that people, people would opt in for or hope to once experience. Um, we fo- we're currently focusing on the Kenyan coast and Savo because I'm based on the coast. So it's easy reach for me. Um, I'd love to expand to the whole of Kenya, so more up country and be able to take Kenya as a whole. And then maybe even a few destinations around the world. We have a connection in Ladakh, which is in the Himalayas, um, next to Manali yes. actually, which Shaylee is super, super close with. Yes. So um, yeah, maybe even be able to create some collaborations and partnerships to take Travel for Purpose as a brand to to other places in the world. But let's, it, yeah. see. let's see what comes out from it. As long as we make an impact, I'm happy.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, if you had to describe travel for purpose in three words, <laughs> what would those three words be? You can take your time. That's a hard question.
1: Oh. I'd say joyful, impactful, and change maker. Yeah. Good, I, I really hope people, people jump on travel for purpose trips and figure out and notice a different way to traveling and that will make travel sustainable because right now travel is at a point where it's just not sustainable um for the long run so mindsets need to shift and people need to to hopefully see the light in a more sustainable way of traveling
0: yeah for sure yep well with with that in mind what would you say to uh The average person in the UK, for example, who has never been to Africa, never been to Kenya in particular, how would you encourage them to come and visit this beautiful country?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a special one. I think a lot of of people in the UK or in general in developed countries kind of see Africa as a whole as quite a dangerous, um, untouched place they they don't really know where to start when it comes to traveling to Africa because it's just they they kind of visualize it as quite a difficult place to travel which in some respects it is it doesn't really have all the facilities as maybe Asia or places that are well-traveled have but I think that's the spark of it it's so untouched and there's so much to discover there's so much that I'm discovering on a daily basis that um that's really special about it but also um something I've really noticed since moving back here is just small things like it back in the UK you would get on a packed tube at rush hour and you'd be standing so close like practically touching another person but you wouldn't even acknowledge them or say hi because it's not the norm it's not the norm to look up and smile at someone and someone would maybe even say like take it as a like a creepy kind of
0: yeah gesture. you'd be scared a bit you like why are you speaking yeah. to me? <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly it's not the norm yeah. um in Kenya you'd walk the streets and you would literally say hello to every passing person and people would greet you you don't you there's complete strangers but you'll greet each other you'd ask how each other's days are if you go to a um a shop the first thing you would say is mambo how are you how's your day going you wouldn't just get straight into it and it's just small things like that that it's just it's such a community it's such a friendly place to be um and it just opens your eyes to different perspectives through that so i think i think that's the thing that i i appreciate the most after being back how how open and generous some another actually this is a funny one another <laughs> um another kind of comparison I make is in the UK if your car breaks down the first thing you do is call RAC or whoever your breakdown cover is with mm. um and you wouldn't you you wouldn't expect people to stop and help you in Kenya there's there's no such thing so you your car breaks down and instantly passes by uh are like stopping to help you whether it's a punch a tire or um whatever it is it's you you don't rely on a company or you don't rely on another service yeah. It's just passes by that stop to help you and <coughs> excuse me it's just that again it comes back to that whole community feel that real generosity of helping um so yeah where do you think
0: that comes from in within the average Kenyan person? That idea of you know society, family, community. Because so if you think about the history of uh, Kenya, I mean, I don't know too much about it, but yeah, yeah. You know, it, hasn't, it hasn't always been hunky dory, has it? So, um, no. and even right now, politically, it's you know not in the in the best
1: position. I'd say it's not. It's not. There there um, are a lot of negatives. There's a lot of corruption. There's a lot of, um, like. I think corruption is a big thing there's a lot of political power that's just not very positive at all um when I really don't know where it comes from I think people are just it's just a a people thing here yeah. I, I honestly I have no idea where it comes from but it's do you think it's like, like the sense
0: of like as you said you have to rely on each other because you don't, you know, you don't have the convenience yeah, of... Yeah,
1: maybe. Not because exactly. Ex- maybe that is it, yeah. Survival in a like way. And I, and I said this in another podcast, I feel like I've gone back 10 years in time in terms of modernization, in terms of technology. Like, technology is not so much in use here because you just don't have the... Well, most people don't have the facilities for it. So... Mm. Um, again, it comes down to really being able to speak to people, really being able to communicate face-to-face. And maybe maybe that's it. Maybe we just, because it's, we don't have the facilities or we don't have the ease of services.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is that something you'd bring back? Like, I know you wouldn't want to touch the UK with a barge pole in terms of <laughs> coming back and living here permanently. <laughs> but obviously you'd be visiting loads because to come and see all me the time. and all my friends. And family. <laughs> of course, yeah, all the time. Um but what are the sort of the, some things that you would implement, like now having that experience of living in Kenya and elsewhere, if you were to come back to the UK and like, do you think you would change the way you interact with other people? You know, the, the, the average stranger on the tube, for example, or do you think you'd like think so. go back into the old ways?
1: It's hard to say, but I think just in the last eight months, i've I've changed. I've changed as the person I am in terms of, um, how open I I think in in the UK I was quite as I said it wasn't the norm like I lived in a flat and it wasn't even the norm to to go ask your neighbor for an egg or something it was like you would go yeah. down to the shop down the road instead of just asking your neighbor it's the yeah. complete opposite here so um I mean, now I you can do that
0: from a click of a button on your iPhone. You know, li- yeah, exactly, and, and, and people things. would
1: rather do that now. Exactly. Yeah. Well, in the UK, so um, I think I think my mindset's changed. I think my perspective has changed, and not only am I so grateful that people are so generous and willing here, but I think I've kind of manifested that in myself now, yeah. and hopefully that's something I will carry on. the for the future. So
0: kind of going off topic, but (laughs) I'm really interested about the idea of manifestation. Is that something you believe in or like you know practice?
1: Oh tough one. I've I've read and I've done quite a fair amount of research on it. Um, Have you? Ah. I actually yeah I have. Only recently as well. Um I I watched The Secret on Netflix, the documentary. Have you watched it? No, no I haven't. It's it's all about manifestation and visualization um and then and then it just keeps popping up as well like on social media on in conversations i'm oh. having people etc yeah and i i think the theory makes sense as you as you keep thinking about something and and visualizing it it's more likely to come th- come true but you're also more likely to notice it because it's at the forefront of your mind oh, your head but I, I also think there is a, a real power to it in terms of, I don't know, I've heard some crazy stories and it makes, really? Me, it makes me really believe that there is some sort of truth.
0: I mean, a part of are. me thinks when you keep on visualising your like, a specific goal, it makes you more driven to want to work towards it. And obviously, yes. when you put in more work, the likelihood is you're going to get that end result. Exactly. I um, think that's a really di- diluted version of
1: mm-hmm. one theory of manifestation it?
0: Not really. Um, I haven't really, uh, yeah, no, not really. Um, yeah. I have a lot of like goals and all of that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I haven't. Um, but that, it's, it's an interesting topic to uh, to read about and discuss. Um, it's
1: very interesting. And it's, it's something that's quite new. It's something yeah. that's just people are starting to notice now. And in my, me- in my meditations, I, start to, I, I create a space for some visualization and intentions, et cetera. And I think I've I have realized a difference when doing that and then taking on the day after visualizing an intention. So yeah, there, there yeah as you say it puts your
0: it. yeah it puts your purpose at the forefront of your mind. I guess
1: exactly. Yeah, 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 and you're you're already starting with that with that drive.
0: Yeah, you start your day that way. Exactly. Ah, right. oh, well, Shami, we, to end off, I thought we could do a really quick like a quick fire round. Um, yes. So if I ask you some questions and you just give me the first thing that pops into your head, um, all right. So here we go. What is your favourite book?
1: Um, oh, I was talking to my niece about the Secret Seven and Famous Five this morning. She's done and ah, yeah. um, throwbacks that, yeah. I used to love those. Um, but a legit favourite book, I there's a book by. Um, Oh shit! I forgot his name. Oh, <laughs> I am so bad with remembering things. <laughs> it's
0: okay. I, okay. Any, well, I, do you remember the topic and the genre? What it it's was by
1: about? The guy who has jeered. G- How have I forgotten his name? Oh man, I have. I have so many books that I've thoroughly enjoyed. and I just don't yeah. remember any of them. It's so bad.
0: You're an avid reader, aren't you? Um,
1: um I do I do enjoy reading I do yeah
0: same we're talking about talking about throwbacks I for anyone listening who's mildly, mildly like of the same age as us and probably a girl if anyone's interested <laughs> Tracy Beaker is <laughs> uh making a comeback yes. um, as like an adult Tracy Beaker I saw an advert for it on Instagram or something so she's an adult and she has a child or that she fosters or something um no
1: and um,
0: that, it was just some, I, I had the biggest grin when I saw that because Jacqueline Wilson uh, who writes all the who written all the Tracy Beaker books was like my idol like when I was young. She's what got me uh-huh. into reading. Um and yeah, great children's author. So talking about
1: throwbacks, that's yeah, definitely one. Um that's awesome. What uh, what, what what like channel is she going to be on? Or is it just going to be online? I don't
0: know. I just saw like a snippet somewhere. Um I'll look into I
1: it I Tracy Beaker
0: it was just the best it was just simpler times right all right um <laughs> yeah, back to you. the quick fire round okay, well, um, can we go on is... to another
1: question <laughs> yeah what is your
0: uh, what is your favorite um type of food Crabs, savory and sweet okay so if it was savory what kind of thing would you be going for cheese
1: and mushrooms oh nice straight up uh, oh maybe some spinach as well yeah mm. cheese mushroom spinach nice. and sweet would be a straight up Nutella and strawberries
0: oh it has to be done it has to be
1: done Nutella <laughs> is so good I um, just remembered the chocolate coated strawberries we've had yeah on the we ma- session
0: yeah so that the for everyone listening that session I was talking about <laughs> earlier we had chocolate covered strawberries that, was that so session good.
1: was
0: actually you introduced me to oat milk for the first time <laughs> As a fully grown twenty-five-year-old, I've never had oat milk before, and the barrister
1: one, mm. yeah,
0: barista, <laughs> the barista oh, one. Yeah. <laughs> a barrister is a lot. <laughs> I remember
1: making awesome that point to you then as well.
0: I had it in coffee for the first time, and I like blew my mind. And I've, I, I have oat milk now in my coffee exclusively, and I'll, I want my my yes. brother and my sister in law drink uh, uh, oat milk in their coffee now only as well. So. Amazing.
1: I that's one that's one thing I miss so much here. We don't get it. So I have to I have to make it fresh, but it's not the same.
0: Yeah, well you just whether you grind it or grind oats. Yeah, you
1: basically um you let it you let it um be in water for a while and then you you blitz it and then you just sieve it. Yeah. Oh it's
0: not the same. It's not the same, yeah. Oh, so good. Um, I've completely lost track. Where were we? <laughs> okay, I'll move on to another question. Um, final question. Um, name one place which you haven't visited, which is next on your bucket list. Bhutan. Wow.
1: Any reason in particular? Um, I I don't know if you know, but it's got a, it's got this daily daily visa you need to buy so you need to pay a daily charge for being in the country which is quite extortionate so because of that it's so untouched um and it's it's just a place that i've something about it it's just like it blows my mind every time i read about it and i've got that that thing in me that's just like i need to get there itch yeah so
0: one day travel for purpose can um facilitate trips out there as well that would be cool <laughs> i'm
1: not sure about that but we'll, you never know we'll <laughs> yeah build
0: those connections um well yeah that's that's about it for today but thank you so much amy thank you for taking
1: the time and um, thanks for having me thanks for asking i no, honestly no. i was so i was so touched when you asked me and i
0: know no, uh, I definitely um yeah talking about migration and travel you're the first person i think of especially the word travel when you think of shammy straight away so yeah um <laughs> do you want to just quickly say what your you know social medias are your website name and everything it um, everything goes
1: well. by travel for purpose for travel. being the number nice and yeah reach out i love i love chatting to new people and having yeah. cool discussions so. Shami
0: is a very nice person. So if you ever want to just speak to her, like actually DM her and like, you can have some good chats. I hope I'm not like opening your DMs to like loads of people <laughs> here. <about. laughs> she, she, she's great to speak to. So if you have any questions about travel and all of that, check check her Instagram out. It will make you feel very jealous, but it, it's great. It's, it's the type of content we need on Instagram now in this day and age when we're all cooped up. So give, give it, give it, check it out. Thanks Shami. Aww. Thank you. Bye.